I was sitting down for dinner with my family the other night. Uh, well, it's been, I guess, I don't know, a couple weeks ago now. And uh, my whole family, minus Logan, of course, because Logan was at Levi's, because that's what he does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but everybody else, we're sitting down for dinner, and we're, we're you know, having dinner. And that's uh, right after dinner is when we normally do our little Bible study. We have our devotion together. And, uh, you know, as we were kind of winding up our meal, I said, um, guys, after you know, seeking the Holy Spirit and like all this time of studying the scriptures, I've come to a revelation. And they were like, okay. And then Anali's leaning in, right? Like, okay. And Angela's leaning in. She's like, oh, okay. What, you know, what's up? Like, I'm about to just drop some incredible, powerful scriptural truth on them. And I said, yes, this is just, just the conclusion I've come to is that good people don't need Jesus and you would have thought they both took a big bite out of a lemon. I mean, Anali cocked that little head at me. Have you ever seen when she turns into little Miss Sass mode? Have you seen the sassy pants, Anali? So she got the little sass on her. She cocked her head like this. And then Angela took a real deep breath like. <sighs> and her skin started turning red. Right? Have you seen her blotches come out on her chest? She was like, what is, what is he doing? Like, what is he into now? Because sometimes I get on some weird stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with y'all. And she... <laughs> uh, and Angela said, what, what are you talking about? And Anali said, yeah, everyone needs Jesus. <laughs> and, and I was so proud of them. Because look, here I am. I'm the head of the household. I'm the pastor of this church. I hold multiple theological degrees. And they're ready to fight me at the dinner table. Now, they were wrong, but I was so proud of them because they were ready to fight me over Jesus. I mean, they were. They were ready to fight me over Jesus right there at dinner. Like I said, they were wrong, but they were ready to fight me. And then and, 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 and Ollie was like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Everyone needs Jesus. And Angela was like, Paul, just stop it. And I was like, listen, good people don't need Jesus. I'm telling you, it's the scriptural truth. Good people don't need Jesus. Because there are no good people. There was just the one, and he doesn't need himself. He's already got himself. Uh, and they were like, will you just stop? I was like, put your claws up. Everything's going to be okay. But listen, White Church, I was inspired. I, I, was, I was encouraged. I was encouraged because it, it made me just want to keep preaching the truth of the living God without compromise. It, it made me just want to keep just pouring in to my family and just teaching them the truth of the word of God. Because they were willing to stand up to me. They were willing to fight me over Jesus Christ. And that is where we should all be. Willing to fight anybody and everybody over Jesus Christ. Man, even the ones closest to us. We should be willing to fight for our Savior and fight for our King and stand for what is true. Even in the face of a world that will do anything to get us to buy into the lie that it's trying to sell, we should only be interested in the truth. And let me tell you this way, church, no matter what they offer, 
No matter what they offer, no matter what kind of pleasures that they come up with, no matter what kind of escape from pain that they promise, the truth is not for sale. Can you say amen? Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning? (laughs) I said what I said. Good people don't need Jesus, but thank God that there are none of those. And if you think that you are one of those, then you need Jesus twice as bad as everyone else. (laughs) The book of Exodus chapter 32, if you have your Bible turned there, if you've got your, it's in the very front of the book, man. There's not very many pages before it. You can get there pretty quick. Book of Exodus chapter 32. Um, The context of this scripture is this. Uh, The children of Israel have just been set free by the power of God from slavery in Egypt. Uh, They have gone out into the wilderness, and uh, they are on their way in a very slow pace to the promised land. And God has called Moses up onto the mountain to commune with him. You like that? To commune with him. And so the people stay down at the base of the mountain, and they've been down there about, about a month, about 40 days. A lot of 40 days in the Bible. And that's when this all takes place. So book of Exodus chapter 32, starting in verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered. That word's going to be important today, they. We're going to talk a lot about they. Don't be they. You hear me? Don't, don't, don't be they. They gathered around Aaron and said to him, come, make gods for us. What kind of a statement is that? Come, make gods for us who will go before us because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who who brought them up from the land? Eh, We'll get there in a minute. This man that brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. And Aaron replied to them, take off the gold rings that are on your ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off, this is all the people. So all the people took off their gold rings that were on their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he took the gold from them and fashioned it with an engraving tool and made it into the image of a calf. Then he said, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. I thought a man brought them up from the land of Egypt. What is going on in this story? When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of it, dude. You know, you know, Aaron was the very first associate pastor in scripture. We'll just get, we'll get to that in a minute too. When Aaron, saw, <laughs> when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of it and made an announcement. There will be a festival to the Lord tomorrow. Early the next morning they rose and offered burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. And the Lord spoke to Moses, go down at once for your people that you brought up out of the land of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned away from what I've commanded them. And they've made for themselves an image of a calf. They bowed down to it, sacrificed to it, and said, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. The Lord also said to Moses, I've seen these people, and they are indeed a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger can burn against them and I can destroy them. Then I'll make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of his Lord. Do you, do you know what the word favor is really translated to in the New Testament scriptures? So the word favor that we're looking at here can also be translated as grace. Moses sought the grace of the Lord his God. 
Lord, why does your anger burn against your people you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a strong hand? Why should the Egyptians say he brought them out with an evil intent to kill them in the mountains and eliminate them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger and relent concerning this disaster you planned for your people. Remember your servants Abraham and Isaac and Israel. You swore to them... Uh, you swore to them by yourself and declared, I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and give your offspring all this land that I have promised and they'll inherit it forever. So the Lord, now this is huge, verse 14. So the Lord relented concerning the disaster that he would said that he would, that he had said that he would bring on his people. Let us pray. God, we come to you today praising your name, worshiping you on earth and in heaven, God, praising you for all your glorious miracles, remembering what you've done, trusting what you're doing, and looking forward to what you're about to do, because it's not us, it's you, and that today is where we are going to put our faith in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give him a shout of praise, and you may be seated. Come on. Come on. <laughs> uh, man, who brought you out of Egypt? Who brought you out of Egypt? See, that's where they made their first big mistake. This man that brought us up out of Egypt has disappeared. Uh, how often do we forget? How often do we forget what God has done for us? How often do we change what happened in the past to suit what's going on right now in the future? How often do we forget? You know, one time I, I spoke at a, at a gathering one time, and this guy came up to me after the meeting, and he said, I just don't understand it. And I was like, don't understand what? And he said, why would you give all the credit that, that you deserve for the hard work you've put into changing your life to some guy in the sky? And I was like, listen here, buddy. And I didn't say it nearly this nicely because I was just fresh out the pit at this point. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about. I was just fresh out the pit at this point. So I didn't say it very nicely. But I was like, listen here, buddy. My best chance got me half dead and headed for hell. And the only, it, it came down. Yeah, it came down to the only thing that I had in the world was this guy in the sky you're talking about. And so I'll tell you what, instead of putting my faith in me that got me headed for hell and doped up and in jail and all this crap, I will put my faith in this guy in the sky every single time because he heals me and he restores me and he saved my soul and my life. Somebody give him praise for what he's doing in our lives. Come on. Like I said, I said some very nice, not nice things that day, and I had to repent for that, and that's okay. Because we serve a God that's full of grace. Can you say amen? Let me get one thing straight to everybody that's listening to me here today. A man didn't do nothing for the children of Israel. A man didn't bring them out of Egypt. A man didn't provide manna for them to eat from the sky. A man didn't bring water from the rock so they could drink it. A man didn't break those chains. A man didn't split that sea. A man didn't destroy the army of Pharaoh. A man didn't sit you free and break your chains. A man didn't heal your wounds a man didn't save your soul a man didn't do nothing for you the only one that can do that is God himself that lives in heaven and God that became man and died on the cross and rose from the grave can you say amen he's the only one he's the only one 
And I have to have that conversation with people sometimes here in the church. And, and if, this, if this was you, don't take any offense. You just had to learn something. It's okay. Sometimes people will be like, well, well Pastor Paul saved me. Or, or Miss Angela saved me. Or Pastor Brent saved me. Let me get one thing straight. If I saved you or he saved you, then you're headed for hell because we can't save nobody. I didn't save you. If you've been saved, you were saved by the power of Jesus Christ. If you're saved, you were saved by the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. If you were saved, it was by the grace of God and Him alone can you say amen. Because that's the only place that salvation comes from. We didn't do nothing. We're just the messengers. We ain't got no power. We ain't got no power. We do the best we can and we mess that up most of the time, but it's okay because He's got grace. Let me be real clear, especially for the new people here. Don't put your faith in me. Do not put your faith in me. Because you know why? Because eventually I will fail you. You hear what I'm saying? I will fail you. Eventually I will say something or do something that does not meet your expectations of me. It's just true. It's just true. Eventually this ministry, this church you're in, eventually this church will do something or say something that doesn't meet your expectations. We're going to fail you. We are. I'm going to go ahead and talk about it on the front end before we get to it in the back end. And you're like, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they didn't do that or didn't do this. We're going to fail you. We're going to drop the ball. Because you know why? Because we're humans. But don't let the fact that we failed cause you to go looking for other gods. Because even though we fail on a daily, he'll never fail. Because he's the God that's the same yesterday and today and forevermore. And he never drops the ball. He never fumbles. He never fumbles. He's got a 100% ratio. He's perfect in every, every way. So even when we fail, even when we do fail, man, he's a God that's so full of grace that he picks us up, restores us, redeems us, and gives us another chance. Can you say amen? Man, God is good. And all the time. Ah, feel his presence today. Do you feel his presence today? Ah, But man, we will fail you. But he never will. He never will. And, and, and the fact that we do fail is, even, is an even greater testament to who he is. That he would use somebody like me to bring that message of, of sanctification and grace that he's got, man. It just shows you who he is. What an amazing, powerful, beautiful God that we serve. Beautiful God that we serve. And, and, and of course the children of Israel wanted other gods. Of course they did. Of course they did. Because they put their faith in a man. Because they put their faith in a man. You know why they wanted other gods? Because they didn't know the God. And that's what happens. People go looking for all this stuff in the world. It's because they don't know him. Because if they knew him, they'd be satisfied in him. Because if you taste and see that the Lord is good, you won't ever thirst for anything else. Can you say amen? I feel like preaching today. Is that okay? Can we preach today? Ah, yes. Come on. Come on. Because <laughs> look, look. The man was late coming back from the mountain and everybody started freaking out. Because when, when you put your faith in a man and he doesn't show up when you thought he was going to show up, you start getting worried. 
You start getting worried when you put your faith in a man and he's not where you thought he was supposed to be at the time he's supposed to be there. But if you put your faith in God, when he delays a little bit, you don't get upset because you know that God's time is perfect time. Can you say amen? And if he delays, it's because it needed to be delayed. And if he stops in the middle of the road, that's because it needed to be stopped in the middle of the road because if you know him, then you trust him. And when you trust him, you surrender to him. Can you say amen? Oh, yes, come on. And look, look, look. They were willing to give everything that they had to make these new gods. You know why? Because we want gods that we can control. We want gods that we can control. See, that's what differentiates the God that we serve from the other gods that people follow around the world is our God can't be controlled. Our God can't be controlled, man. Our God does what he wants, when he wants, to who he wants, how he wants, in the way that he wants it done. And he can't be controlled. He does what he pleases. And when, listen, listen, listen. When we're created in his image, then we belong to him. But when we create gods in our image, then they belong to us. And that's why we try to create gods that ain't God all the time. Sometimes people tell me about this God that they serve. And I'm like, I don't know what kind of God you're following, but it ain't the God of the Bible. Because the God of the Bible don't do that stuff. And the God of the Bible don't act that way. And that's, I don't know where you got that God, but it ain't my God. Somebody say amen. It happens to me all the time. Well, I don't know why God would do this. And it's like, you must be talking about little G God because that ain't how my God acts. That ain't what my God does. That ain't what my God does. I don't know. I don't know. Does what he pleases. Man, if God created us, I'm telling you, we belong to him. But if we create our own gods, they belong to us. And if, if, if God created us, then we have to bow before him. But if we created God, then he has to bow before us. And that's the kind of God that people want. That's the kind of God that people want. See, if you look at a lot of the other religions around the world, they, they like have a, have, a, have, a, like have a buy and sell system. You know what I'm saying? Like if we bring this sacrifice, then our God owes us this. If we do these things and meet these rules and qualifications, then the God that we serve is obligated, is obligated to do this for us. If we make this sacrifice, then it's going to rain. If we make this sacrifice, then we're going to have a bountiful crop. If we do these things and those things, then we can inherit eternal life. Well, let me tell you, my God's not obligated to you for a thing. He's not obligated to you for a thing. He don't owe you nothing. He's given you everything, and he don't owe you nothing. 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 And so they brought all their gold up there to, to Aaron, the very first associate pastor, to Moses. He wasn't ready for leadership, though. It's just true. It's just true. But, you know, to, to, to me, the worst part's not what Aaron did. It, it's really not. It's not what Aaron did. Aaron was under a lot of pressure. I, I, I can't imagine what it was like to have all these people looking at you. And Moses has been the guy. And then all of a sudden Moses is gone and everyone's staring at you. And I've been that guy. And it's hard. It's hard. Because the leader's gone and now all of a sudden everybody's looking at you. And you're really not sure what to do. Big eyes like a deer caught in headlights. And the Bible says they. Uh... The Bible says this. The Bible says, 
they gathered around Aaron. They asked him to make them new gods. And then they announced to the rest of the the children of Israel, these are your new gods. And that's why they don't get a vote at our church. And they don't get to complain about things at our church. And they don't get to make suggestions about things at our church. Because they built a golden calf to worship instead of God. And so that's why when people come up to me and they're like, Pastor Paul, they're saying some things. Pastor Paul, they don't like this. And I was like, well, until they has a name and they come and tell me what's going on, then I don't care what they think. But they have a lot of power in the world. See, social pressure's heavy. Social pressure's heavy. It can be a powerful tool, man. The collective is strong. And so they gathered around Aaron and are like, hey, this guy that led us out of Egypt, first mistake, First mistake, he's gone and we need new gods. Second mistake. Second mistake. But like I said, the the worst part to me is is not Aaron, and the worst part to me is not even they, because they are going to be who they are. You hear what I'm saying? There's always going to be they, and they're going to be who they are. The worst part to me is that nobody said nothing. You're telling me. That, you know, some of the estimates say that there were, you know, up to 600,000 of the children of Israel when they left out of captivity in Egypt. Nobody, nobody is going to say anything. You know, when they start to build this golden calf and say, these are our new gods that we're going to worship now. Nobody had the gumption. Nobody had the intestinal fortitude. Nobody had a calling from God to be like, no. Nope, that ain't my God. Nope, that calf didn't lead me out of Egypt. Nope, that calf didn't split the Red Sea. No, what you're looking for is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. What you're looking for is the great I am. What you're looking for is the God that created the heavens and the earth and set us free from captivity in Egypt is what you're looking for. And you're definitely not looking for this idol-worshiping garbage. Nobody had the, had nobody had the calling from God in their life to stand up and say something. Uh, they just let it happen. Listen, they sold the truth. They sold the truth. Because the, 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 the power of the conglomerate the social pressure that can be put on you from a large group of people is staggering. Staggering. And that's why I posted on social media the other night a question that a lot of people didn't seem to understand, but it was this. How many people have to tell you that the truth is a lie before you join in? How many people? How many? One, two, a million, seven billion? How many people have to tell you that the truth is a lie before you join in. See, right now, right now I'm surrounded by Bible-believing, blood-covered, spirit-filled, worshiping, serving, giving, loving, powerful Christians, men and women that serve the living God and love like Jesus. And so it's easy for me to stand here as a Jesus freak and proclaim the truth of Scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, it's easy. It's easy, because when I do, I know that y'all are going to clap for the name of Jesus, and y'all are going to lift hands for the Holy Spirit. And when we speak something powerful, you're going to agree. But what happens when the script 
is flipped. What happens when you're not surrounded by blood-covered Christ followers? Man, what happens when you're out there in the world? Because like I said, social pressure is powerful. And when you add legislation on top of it, it amplifies that effect. So not only is it not thought of well in society to be a Christian, now all of a sudden it's leaning more and more along illegal to be a Christian and to do the things that God has called us to do. So there's going to be social pressure not to proclaim the name of Jesus. Also, and, 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 and you might think I'm crazy, some of you, but some of you know there's going to be legislation that is going to try to keep us from proclaiming the name of Jesus. It's coming. It's coming. Maybe sooner than you think, but it's coming. So the question is this. When all that happens, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to stand by and watch it happen? Are you going to stand by and watch it happen? Because that's what we've done so far. I'm just saying, it is. We've stood by and we've watched it happen. And see, the, the, the Christian church in America has never been in this position until right now. See, we've always been the dominant force in society. And we've even been the dominant force in lawmaking. I mean, the Constitution is based on Christian principles. I mean, we've been the dominant force on both sides of that agenda. And now for the first time in our life, we are on the other side. For the first time in the history of the American church, we are on the other side. We have society against us. We have legislation not protecting the church, but coming against the church. We are in trouble. And so the question is, as the whole rest of the world, as the whole rest of the world says, nope, this is our God here. This is our God here. And not only do you have to allow us to worship this false God, you've got to agree with us. You've got to agree with us. And it's going to be ugly, and it's going to be violent. And so the question is, what are you going to do? Are you going to stand for him? Are you going to stand for him, or are you going to turn your back on him and go the way that everyone else is going? I mean, what about when everyone else is doing it? Are you going to do it too? What about when nobody else is doing it? Are you going to stop doing it too? What's going to happen, man? What's going to happen? Because here's the, here's the pathway. This is where it all leads. Faith in people. Faith in people, which leads to forgetting about what God has done. Which, which leads to replacing God in your life. Which leads, ultimately, to sin. And sin leads to death. And they got up early the next morning and they were excited to do this. You hear what I'm saying? They, after all this came together, they got up early the next morning and they were excited. They got out of bed early. And they built an altar in front of this false God that never did anything for anybody. That later in Scripture it says that they can't talk and they can't move and they can't think and still we worship them. And I, and, and I know maybe you've never bowed down before a golden idol, but I want you to think about for a second how many systems, how many organizations, how many inanimate objects have received your worship that was meant only for God. And they built an altar in front of this golden statue and they burned sacrifices in front of it. They, they, they gave to the world what was meant only for God. 
And then they got up and they ate and they drank. Some translation says they got drunk. And, they, and then my, my Bible says they partied. And I can't tell you what kind of party it was because there's kids still in here because our children's ministry is not open. But I want you to imagine the kind of debauchery that was going on. Because when all of a sudden they were freed from a God that had gave them guidelines that were for their good to a God that they had created, to a God that they had created that could only give guidelines that they had also created. When you serve a God that's been created, ultimately you're serving whoever created that God. You hear what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? So when you bow down before some system here, in our world now, ultimately, what you're worshiping is whoever created that system, whoever created that organization, whoever created that object. Ultimately, you're worshiping people. And so God speaks to Moses. And so God speaks to Moses and he says, you need to get back down there. Look what they've done. Look how quickly, look how quickly that they've turned against me. Look how quickly that they've turned against me. I mean, he just freed them from hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt where they were being beaten and tortured. And they had so bad that they cried out to him for relief and he showed up. Man, he just split the Red Sea so they could escape Pharaoh's army and closed it in behind them. He's been providing food and, and every need that they could possibly have. They're literally, their lives are resting in his hand. And how quickly that they turned against him. But how quickly do we turn against him? How quickly do we forget what he's done? How quickly do we enter right back into our rebellion? You know, I know two people, and this is just recently. I, I, I know two people that were in similar situations and, and needing God for a miracle to save their lives. Needing God for a miracle to save their lives. I mean, if it wasn't for God intervening, then both these people would be dead. And, and, and we prayed and we sought God and we cried out to God for healing. And in both cases, he provided that healing and brought about an incredible miracle. An incredible, powerful miracle of healing in both of these lives. Yeah, man. I mean, because God is good and that's what he does. Yeah, give God praise for his healing miracles. I mean, give God praise for his healing miracles. And both of these folks that I'm talking about praised God after he had provided this miracle. I mean, lifted up a hallelujah just as high as you can get it. They were like, praise God. Praise God in heaven for what he's done. Praise God in heaven for what he is. Praise God in heaven. And right now, both of those people are right back, right back where God had brought them out of. You hear what I'm saying? Right back. Running back. Running back. Right back into the same kind of situations that God had brought them out of. I mean, I'm talking about just a few months removed from praising God and lifting holy hands to him. And, and, and thanking him for everything that he's done in every possible way. And running right back to it. And how often have I done that in my life? How often have I praised God for his miracles and then looked him right in the face and not cared? 
And so God says, Moses, how quickly that they've turned. How quickly that they've turned. They, they've, they, they've built an idol and now they're burning sacrifices in front of it. As if I can't see this. As if I don't know this. And they're pouring their worship out on this golden calf. So Moses, why don't you just step away so that I can give these people what they're asking for? So that I can give these people what they deserve. Then I can destroy them. And it may seem harsh, but do you understand that that's what they deserved? They deserve to be destroyed. They they deserve to be destroyed because they're blaspheming a, a, a holy God. But Moses doesn't walk away. Moses doesn't walk away. Instead, he cries out to God for his grace. He cries out to God for his grace. He cries out to God for his mercy. Not trying to control him, but just surrendering to him. Do you know why he did that? Because Moses didn't put his faith in a man. Not even himself. He put his faith in God. Moses is not trying to control God. Moses is surrendering to God and just begging for his grace. You know why? Because he knows God. Because he knows God. Because when you know him, then you'll only surrender to him. When you know him, you'll only bow before him. When you know him, you'll always stand for him and who you know without a shadow of a doubt that he is. And you will fall upon what you know that only he can provide. And so, Way Church, there was one. There was one. There was one that was willing to go against the grain. There was one that was willing to stand for the truth. There was one that would not compromise the things of God for the things of the world. And because Moses repented, God relented. And I need you to understand that that's what happens in your life too. When you repent, God relents. When you repent, God relents because you know who else deserves to be destroyed? I do. You do. We do. But by His mercy and by His grace, when we repent, He relents. Say it with me. When we, God, when we, God, when we, God, And I want that to be your battle cry moving forward because if you want to see this world healed and you want to see these things changed, if you repent and you encourage the people around you to do the same thing, then God will relent. God will relent. Yeah, give Him praise for His grace and for His mercy. Because you know what the only thing that's more powerful than the wrath of God is? The grace of God. The grace of God is more powerful than the wrath of God. Be the one. You hear what I'm saying? Be the one. 
Proverbs 23, 23 says, buy the truth and don't sell it. Do you hear what I'm saying? You get the truth and you don't compromise it for anything. Come on, guys. You get the truth and you don't let go of it. You don't compromise it for nothing. You know, I told some people the other day, I was like, look, I'll overflow with love. I'll sacrifice for compassion, but I will not compromise. I will not compromise the truth of the living God. Man, buy the truth and don't sell it no matter what they offer you. No matter what they offer you. No matter how lucrative that they make it seem. Do not forget who the God is that brought you out of Egypt. Don't forget who the God is that restored what the enemy took away. Man, don't you forget who the God is that broke those chains and healed those wounds and redeemed you and restored you and reconciled you to God. Man, don't you forget and don't you ever sell it because you didn't do it and the system didn't do it and the psychiatrist didn't do it and the healthcare facility didn't do it. If it was done, God did it because everything that's done is done by the living God. Can you say amen? Don't sell it. Don't sell it. The book of Galatians in chapter 6 says this. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how quickly you're turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ. And are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel. But there are some of you who are, there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we preach to you, a curse be on him. As we've said before, and I now say again, if anybody's preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. This is my life verse, people. Galatians 1.10. For, for now, am I trying to persuade people or God? Or am I striving to please people? Because if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is the truth that's not for sale. This is the truth that will never be for sale. And this is the one that seems to set people off worse than anything. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. The only way. There is no other. Every other religion on the face of the earth is false or twisted or messed up. Jesus said, I am the way the truth and the life there is no other spirituality won't get you there keeping the rules won't get you there ascending all nine planes of nirvana won't get you there finding out the three divine truths and the seven great purposes will not get you there you can be reincarnated as a rat or an eagle and it won't matter because won't none of it get you there there's one way to heaven one way to heaven. There is no other name under heaven by which we may be saved. Can you say amen? Yeah, man, give him praise for that. Come on. And I'll never sell that truth. I'll never sell it. I don't care what they offer me. I don't care where they put me. I'll never sell it. That's the truth. And I'm hanging on to it. And you need to hang on to it too.